should we let our daughter go and live in Paris? I mean, obviously we didn't have any money. I, I, literally, my English was completely in the infancy. I couldn't speak English at all. Uh, but obviously not letting me go could be kind of waste of my kind of one opportunity in life. The, the time when I was doing modeling, it was all very much kind of that really, really skinny look fashion and and you know quite a healthy look as well i think i think you call it what do you call it herring chic which, which sounds awful actually my life story is a combination of a bit of a risk taking but a lot of luck and a lot of actually what i've discovered later ambition which i never knew i have if i want to do something right if i want to do nutrition right and if i want to be you know one of the top which obviously you try to do if, if you study for a long time um, you need to have quite a bit of a biochemical background. You need to have, have a quite good base of understanding of biochemistry, but also, you know, anatomy and physiology and all the kind of pharm pharmaceuticals and everything, what the doctors perhaps would have as their kind of baseline. But with nutrition, I think once you find something which you're fascinated about and which I truly believe can change people's lives, um, I guess I guess I am, and I, I really, really love what I do. I kind of do what I preach I don't feel like we need to be restrictive so yes I like to live my life I like to you know have fun I like to eat non-healthy foods once in a while but I very much recognize it's all about a very healthy balance um you know with your health and, and well-being one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh it's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on same goes for your health care that's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. My guest today is Gabriella Peacock, one of the most noted and trusted voices in the world of nutrition. She is the founder and creative director at GP Nutrition, as well as a Sunday Times bestselling author and regular contributor to magazines, radio and television. She is known now as the nutritionist to the A-list and to the Royals, having worked with the Queen's GP, Sir Tim Evans. And the results she achieved with her clients are so impressive. She is in huge demand from clients all over the world. Gabriella was born in a small town in the Czech Republic and became fascinated by nutrition when she won a modeling contract age 15 and made the move to Paris. There she was encouraged to eat in a way that might not have been the most advisable and it was this that sparked a keen interest in how the body worked. Gabriella then moved to London in her 20s and realizing that it might be prudent to have a second career, studied for two degrees in nutrition over nine years. Her latest book, Two Weeks to a Younger You, focuses on the game-changing science behind longevity and reverse aging with manageable lifestyle changes and crucially, no restriction. And it's this that really embodies her passion. She says, people are living for longer, but if we don't watch our lifestyles, we could be sick for a long part of that. So this is all about preventing that. With such a wealth of experiences from modeling in Paris as a teenager to becoming a best-selling author and leader in her field, I am delighted to be sharing Gabriella's life lessons on the podcast. Welcome to the Emma Gunn Show, Gabriella. How are you? Very good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's such a pleasure. I'm so intrigued by your story and your career. Like, Because when I first read that you got on a plane at the age of 15, having won this modeling contract... And went to Paris. It reminded me of when I was a similar age and I went on a French exchange and I hated it. I didn't speak the language. I was so out of my comfort zone. And so for me, I just thought that is so, so brave. I'm not sure if in that age it was a bravery or if it was um, potentially feeling that you have no choice. Because when I was 15, the times were different. Um, I mean, it makes me sound very, very old. I'm not that old. <laughs> I promise, but um, that, um, you know, when modeling was quite new, um, you know, all this fashion modeling was quite new. I got this amazing luck of being picked up from all these 
huge number of, of models to kind of one contract to go to Paris. And actually for my parents, you know, I, I'm the only child. So it, it was very, very, I, I think almost kind of traumatic decision. Should we let our daughter go and live in Paris? I mean, obviously we didn't have any money. I, I, literally my English was completely in the infancy. I couldn't speak English at all. Uh, but obviously not letting me go could be kind of waste of my kind of one opportunity in life. So, mm-hmm. so it was actually, it was actually quite scary, I have to say, but um, it's, it's very hard to decide, you know, what I would do if I was in that situation, I would probably do the same. Yeah. And when you said there about it was the, you didn't want to waste that one opportunity. That was really interesting actually, because I open every conversation on this show with talk to me about your relationship with risk. And I wonder if that was really formative of, okay, you might not have loved every moment of being in Paris. And we can definitely talk about that because I think it was quite tough, but the risk was worth the reward in the long term. That's very interesting. You said that. Yes, definitely. I think what it made me is um, a bit more comfortable with taking risks, as as you said, and and probably not being, you know, being the only child. I was always kind of, you know, in a little cotton war. Yes. <laughs> Wrapped in a little cotton war, so nothing nothing happens to me. And actually, you know, in the end, going to Paris that age was actually quite traumatic. I did not have a good time at all. And um, and I think what it made me is grow up uh, quicker, which is not necessarily a good thing, but it definitely made me much more life, real life aware, I think. I think it made me much more clever in the kind of social relationships and much more kind of aware of different variety of people, not just kind of your family around you. So mm. so definitely a bit of a, a big growing up lessons in that. And I'm really interested as well, because I mentioned in the introduction about you were given nutrition advice. And yes. you saw a lot of, um, shall we say, quite interesting habits around food uh, that for, that really were sort of little seeds that were sown to uh, get you to where you are today, really. Absolutely. And I'm really, really hoping, obviously, I'm out of modeling for quite a few years now, but I'm really hoping all this world is changing because it's it's not a nice world to live in. It's not a nice world for young young adults to to be living in. So um the the time when I was doing modeling it was all very much kind of that really really skinny look fashion and and mm. you know quite unhealthy look as well I think I think you call it what do you call it herring chic which, which sounds awful actually yeah <laughs> um so so definitely I've seen that a lot a, a lot around me and you know even more I kind of luckily never had never had any issues with eating but you know even even as a little you know as a as a young girl you kind of start questioning your choices you know should I be eating should I not be what should I be eating and then you have people who's supposed to be the kind of grown-ups looking after you giving you silly advices about actually you know don't eat or don't eat much it's a yeah it's it's all it's it's all very damaging but I'm really hoping that the that the world of modeling has has moved and definitely what I see being nutritionist now around me I mean we are very much aware it's 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 about how you're feeling within your skin and how you fit not you you know we know all of that Mm. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's the the conversation has moved really from like how it looks to how it feels. Absolutely, which is, which is, which is great. Which is massive. Now, talk to me about moving to London as well, because I feel as though that's another really formative step on the journey because you came to London in your 20s. So you really did stick it out in Paris for a while. I was actually moving around. So I was, I went to, I started with Paris and then what you, what you do as a young model, at least, um, in the past, you kind of get moved around the fashion city. So I, I've kind of done my, I've done my Paris, I've done Milan. I kind of moved around Germany. I was sent to Cape Town for a very long time, which was actually amazing. It was like holiday, <laughs> holiday with a bit of a pocket money. Um, <laughs> but what I wanted to do, the, the reason why I wanted to come to London is, I think at some point in your life, you you want to not necessarily travel less, but you want to stop living in your suitcase. I miss my base. I miss, I miss kind of, I miss friends and I miss, you know, living in a house with people as opposed to moving around. I also was quite aware of the fact that, you know, I'm getting older, I'm no longer a teenager and and perhaps I should do something else with my life rather than hanging out in Cape Town, which was actually amazing, <laughs> but, <laughs> but not for that long. So I definitely am. Um, someone suggested that London may be quite good market for me. And I was very, very lucky. I think my life story is a combination of 
a bit of a risk taking, but a lot of luck and a lot of actually what I've discovered later, ambition, which I never knew I have. So I, th- I think it, it's it's the combination of things. And and actually going to coming to London, I was very lucky. I, I was living with people who start, you know, who then became my really, really good friends. So they gave me a bit of a bit of a base and, and kind of happiness on that level. I was working very well. And actually, once I kind of stabilized myself, I only came for six weeks originally. <laughs> once I stabilized myself, I um I start thinking about going back to university. And actually, I think when you get a bit older and Perhaps the time has changed as well now because we have a lot of mature models now, which are very happy, you know, which are very happy with what they do. But at at the time when I was kind of in my early 20s, it was still very much, oh gosh, when you're in your late 20s, you will not get any jobs. And I did not like that idea at all. So I, I perhaps kind of start feeling that I should use my brain on a different level. And and actually the um, the university, going back to university felt quite attractive to me. But I mean, going back to university in your 20s and also you didn't just do one course, you, you did two. You were actually in f- uh, further education as a mature student for nine yeah. years. I know, <laughs> which was a bit crazy, but I, t- I really loved it. It was <laughs> it was great. So I've enrolled to the my first course was um, naturopathic nutrition. The reason I had to do that was because I was still doing modeling. So I could only do weekend course. So mm-hmm. this was the diploma weekend course um, because I need to support myself, obviously, for my studies. So, so that lasted three years. Um, it was it was good. It wasn't my favorite. I, I very much became aware of the fact that if I want to do something right, if I want to do nutrition right, and if I want to be, you know, one of the top, which obviously you try to do if if you study for a long time, um, you need to have quite a bit of a biochemical background. You need to have have a quite good base of understanding. Of biochemistry, but also you know anatomy and physiology and all the kind of pharm- pharmaceuticals and everything. What the doctors perhaps would have as their kind of baseline, um, and that course did not really offer that. So I started researching a different different courses, and actually University of Westminster came up, and I thought this is just fantastic. It was um, what is a health science degree in nutrition and therapy. It was covering everything what I wanted. Um, I did not know that it's probably the hardest, hardest thing I would ever do it enrolling on this course because it was pretty, pretty awful. But the knowledge was fascinating and I actually really, really loved it. And once I kind of came into Westminster, for me, it was completely mind-blowing. I love going there. I love kind of hanging out in the library. I was actually quite lucky because nutritional therapy is the course which not necessarily feels attractive to people just coming out of um just coming out of school so actually there were quite a few older people like me which was very nice <laughs> um but but the kind of what the course covered was was incredible I mean we done everything from you know all the kind of basic things to uh physiology as well because again it's really important for you to be able to assess your patient it's not just about what you want to do with them you need to be able to talk to them as well so it was amazing. The clinical experience was amazing as well. So I really loved it. It took me six years to finish that. <laughs> Did you take a break in between, in the middle? No, I had my daughter halfway through. So I went from a full-time into a couple of years part-time. And then I think I went last year full-time. It was so tough because I did not really realize that my written English is just non-existent. So I thought I will be, it would be so easy. I would do this course. I've already done something similar. So I'll be, you know, laughing. Mm. It was so tough. And I did not really know that University of Westminster, especially the kind of science department, they kind of praise themselves of, um, you know, releasing very good academic writers, which I obviously wasn't. So so the pressure which I had, actually from a minute I went in, the director of the studies didn't really like me very much. So, so she was really pushing. I think we had a drop off, something crazy, like 60 people in the first year. Out of how was, many? Well, sorry, 60, sorry, 60% of people. Yeah, I mean, it, it was incredible. And this was kind of last year, maybe it was a little bit less, but I remember a very good chunk of people left. It was a very, very tough course, but um, but fantastic, fantastic. But for, for me, it was very, very hard because I, I had to kind of go, go back to my, can I speak to, can I speak in English? Or can I write in English basics, which I which I couldn't. So I had to take a lot of external classes. It was it was very time consuming. We've only been chatting for a little while. I already get the impression that you do not give up. <laughs> Funny enough, if you have asked me before I start doing 
anything around nutrition i would say um I would say that's not true, actually. I, I, I was always kind of considering myself as not really ambitious. I think it's because I probably did not enjoy modeling and I did not find, I mean, my ambition in modeling was zero. I just wanted to have a holiday. Um, <laughs> but with nutrition, I think once you find something which you're fascinated about and which I truly believe can change people's lives, hmm. um, I, guess, I guess I am. And I, I really, really love what I do. So was it your life that you changed first? As you were doing these courses, were you making all of these changes, questioning everything? And were you essentially like a walking advert for what ended up becoming GP Nutrition? I would say perhaps yes. Also my family, I quite, I quite like using my parents as, as my <laughs> guinea pigs. They're very good. <laughs> They're very good with following my instructions. I would say for me, I mean, walking advert to the level of, I kind of, do what I preach I don't feel like we need to be restrictive so yes mm -hmm. I like to live my life I like to you know have fun I like to eat non-healthy foods once in a while but I very much recognize it's all about a very healthy balance um you know with your health and, and well-being because I think a lot of people would look at you you are a former model in incredibly glamorous and beautiful mm -hmm. and they might think well it's easy for you but you have to apply the same rules as every as everybody. Is that right? Is it easier for you? I mean, there's there's always a slight degree of genetics, but knowing longevity and knowing how genetics works uh, much more now, it's very little genetics, and it's it's a lot of diet and lifestyle. Um, I, as everyone else, would have a tendency of gaining weight if 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 I wanted to. I mean, it, it it's it's very very easy for me to gain weight. I don't think anyone really has fast metabolism or you know if, if you compare it to the weight loss or to anything else if I didn't look after my skin my skin would get worse mm -hmm. if I didn't look after my body um I would get you know I would get unhealthy so no I, I don't I don't think I'm that unique in, in that level I think I'm just I just have a very good balance of what I like to do but then what I also do to kind of balance it all up <laughs> mm. I ask everybody on the show to talk to me about a recurring excuse that they might use and or something that you think has set you back and I was really interested by your response because you talked about a language barrier and you've mentioned about your written English during your course yes. at Westminster and it made me it sort of made me go oh that's really interesting simply because I think that what you do incredibly well is yeah. take really medical nutrition information quite scientific nutritional information and you are able to turn it into prose that's really accessible and uh, makes it much, much easier for somebody to understand something that actually is quite complicated. I think that's a real skill. So actually, I think you're really, I wouldn't have said that language is a, a barrier for you. I think you have this, I don't know whether it's informed by the fact that maybe you've had difficulties along the way. And so you try to really simplify it. Perhaps, and um, perhaps I think once I kind of was at university, there's nothing I could do about my 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 kind of language barrier. I kind of had to get on with it or or leave or be one of those, you know, 60%. Mm. In the past, definitely you kind of slightly hide behind the language uh cloak, I think. And it was definitely, you know, it has if you look back to the kind of childhood teenagers, it's definitely something to do with the fact that I had to travel when I couldn't speak any English so so I, I think there is always something which is which is linked to that with regards to kind of tone of my books that's very much very much my aim and I was very I mean I mean I was very very sure if I ever write a book it needs to be slightly different than what's on the market and I would like to think hopefully that I have seen kind of a bit of a gap of making making nutrition and well-being slightly more accessible I can't pronounce it, accessible. Yeah. Um, because I remember when I started doing research about um, about my first book, I wanted to do something, I wanted to project uh, kind of, you know, my 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 ethos from my clinic and project kind of the goals people people come to me with and and you know what we what we kind of do to um to deal with them. And what I always find and the feedback I always get from my from my patients from at my clinic, it's they're so confused. The problem is from 15 years ago when there was no information about nutrition, and this is when I started studying, um, to now when there's so much information about nutrition, people are very confused. And I think a lot of nutrition kind of rules and a lot of nutritionists, a lot of my colleagues can be extremely strict. 
I remember um, graduating from Westminster and there was quite a well-known nutritionist who I'm not going to mention. And we had, we organized this breakfast and I just came from Westminster. So I was this little chicken and she was this really amazing, high Instagram following nutritionist. And she was absolutely shocked. She came to breakfast to my house that I've served her gluten and dairy. (laughs) And it's, it's, it really is all about balance. You know, obviously as a nutritionist, I have a knowledge of giving you the healthiest diet, but if you're not going to follow it, if you, if it doesn't work with your lifestyle, you're going to follow it for two or three weeks and you're going to peel off and you're never going to see nutritionists again and you will hate me. So so you really, it's really important to find that kind of balance with your patients. And this is what I try to do in my books. You can push yourself as hard as you want. I give you that choice, but you can also push yourself as, as little as you want. And even if you push yourself just little, even if you just follow some kind of little tips, in the accumulation, they will create a huge difference. I think you've touched on something really interesting there. I've been writing about health and beauty for 20 years. And one of the things I've noticed is it's not even restriction, it's exclusion. So it's don't do gluten and that will solve all your problems. Don't eat dairy and that will solve all your problems. And actually that's really seductive because it's just one rule. (laughs) Whereas actually lifestyle changes is about just, just taking a beat before every meal or just, just taking that being, being mindful constantly which actually isn't hard work absolutely and also you need you need to consider the fact we are all biochemically individual you know some people really cannot eat gluten and I'm one of those people and I still eat a little bit but I really shouldn't um but some people are absolutely fine with gluten and actually you know gluten-free bread for example can be it's much worse for you because it's it's you know the, the normal one you buy in a supermarket is full of kind of refined carbs and it's pure sugar so so it really is all about the balance and all about kind of assessing um, assessing yourself. And that's what I like to think I'm doing with the book. You know, you you see what you want to help with and you kind of use those tips and use those tricks to help you with it. What would you say is the thing that when someone comes to see you, what's the main goal that people come to you with? I would say, I would say um, it's probably 90% weight loss, um, which are called weight management. I don't like the word, um, phrase weight loss. But the way I've been trained, it's you never, ever, ever look at the weight loss by itself. Obviously, the way one is trained, if you're a proper nutritional therapist, you look at, at the patient, at the client, uh, you know, at the kind of holistic point of view. So when I'm talking to my patient, obviously, you always need to consider why they came to see you because this is their main goal. Mm-hmm. So no, fine, you came to see me because you want to lose some weight, but let's have a look how you sleep. Let's have a look what your energy levels are. Obviously, we're always going to look at your gut state because that's your first kind of point of um, kind of assessment and seeing how healthy you are. I would do a full health assessment before I approach onto any kind of any kind of path or any kind of program with a, with a patient or with a client. And what does that look like? Is that blood tests and stool samples? And is it quite a complex raft of tests? It could be, but it doesn't have to be. I spent an hour on basically interrogating the client. <laughs> we have called, it's, it's called information gathering. <laughs> so basically... The way I've been trained and I have sets questionnaire and I've just discussed. So I talk at um, client and we kind of talk about all these points I have mentioned, you know, you start looking at your hormonal levels and 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 other things. And at the end of the consultation, we do your food diary as well. And then I I present them with what I would like, what I would think their program should be and discuss it with them and kind of adjust it within their lifestyle. We could decide if we want to do um blood tests or if we want to do any kind of stool test but I don't have to do that exclusively sometimes they're quite expensive people don't want to do that so I'm very trained not to have to use those tools if you don't want to Mm. I I want to go back to something you said a little while ago about understanding realizing that you are ambitious when did you realize that because I think it's quite a common trait among women to perhaps not want to lean into that particular personality Mm. trait or to think that maybe it's not something that you should lean into. Yeah. I think initially it was definitely the point that I did not leave the university. <laughs> so that was step one. Step two would have to be probably starting my own um, nutritional supplements company, which I didn't really have to do that. I already had clinic, which was which was running really well. The reason why I wanted to do it is at that point, there was really nothing else around everyone who would come to see me in the clinic would think 
you only take nutritional supplements because something terrible is happening to you. So you have some terrible digestive problems or, you know, there is something bit wrong with you or you're taking antibiotics or you have not very good skin. And I very much don't believe that, you know, I, I very much do believe that supplements should be your kind of daily addition to your daily diet, because sadly we don't live in a perfect world. And I would say probably 98%, 99% of my clients do have a nutritional deficiency or nutrient deficiency. So, so definitely kind of going into how I can help my clients um, and I did not find there is anything like that on the market because it all was quite unattractive. I don't think nutrition has to be kind of frumpy and horrible. Um, everything was really difficult to take and in like a really big plastic jars. And a lot of stuff was very weak. Obviously, you know, I have a biochemical degree. I would like to do supplements which really work. So mm-hmm. they need to have a really high potency. They need to be um, uh, bioavailable as well, which means your body can absorb them. So they are made from expensive forms of nutrients, not the cheap forms. They need to be convenient. Again, very much goes with, um, you know, with you, I very much believe everything needs to go with your lifestyle. So that's the reason why I start looking into supplements and and what can I do? It was completely a crazy decision initially because I have no business degree and uh, and it was very kind of slightly painful and frustrating, but really rewarding experience in the end. <laughs> And again, you just kept at it, even though perhaps you were doing something slightly different from other people or you were setting a higher standard, it sounds like. Absolutely. And, um, and you know, we were responding really, really well. I mean, from the nutrient product, from a supplement point of view, they were fantastic and people really love them. And we launched in all these amazing places, Selfridges and Harvey Nicks and Harrods to kind of, you know, follow my dream or making them more accessible to, you know, to to people and seeing that they actually they don't have to be horrible and frumpy and not effective so so on that level definitely but you know th- there was a lot of obstacles having your there is a lot of obstacles in having your own company so I had to definitely adapt and learn a lot which which is which is not easy from mm-hmm. you know perhaps the subject you don't know that much about as to basically how to run the company <laughs> well that's probably a really good point at which to talk about stress because um I mean, the new book's called Two Weeks to a Younger You. And this is something that I think has really become uh, a huge talking point recently about the things that we can do to actually not just extend life, but extend quality of life. I know that, you know, you go to San Francisco and you speak to the tech guys and they're all taking metformin and like they're sleeping in cryo chambers and all sorts of crazy things to extend their really healthy years. But you're very this is very much something you're focusing on but also stress plays a plays a massive role in limiting that quality of life doesn't it absolutely it's uh, with stress it's very very interesting stress and longevity um it's very very interesting topic because you obviously have that um what we call chronic stress chronic stress it's where your cortisol which is your stress hormone will stop pumping up and this really we know that chronic stress really affects your daily life um people have a problem to what people gain weight they have a problem with losing weight people um you know problems with sleeping imbalance energy levels can completely messes up your hormones because the cortisol tends to prioritize everything in you know your adrenals tends to prioritize the production of cortisol in order to kind of uh, balance the high demand in order to you know on a kind of downside of the other kind of hormones and and also nutrients within your body so stress it's stress chronic stress it's really terrible but with regards to longevity what's really really interesting it's actually we now know that there is a type of stress which is called hormetic stress which is the kind of short term control period of stress which now, now we know it makes our body more resilient which I actually found really fascinating <laughs> So hormetic stress is, um, and this is what you're talking about, uh, cryochambers and, you know, intermittent fasting and all the other therapies. We now know that this hormetic stress, what it does, it induces the process called autophagy, Mm -hmm. which is self-cleansing kind of process of the cells. So what happened is because because the cell will become under a period of stress, it will start basically eating itself almost. It will start digesting the kind of, protein particles within the cell which are malfunctioning hence it will create more energy which is clever but it would also start cleansing the cell so the cell will be cell will basically have a spring clean 
and you will be healthy and you will have more energy levels and you will lose weight and reduce your inflammation. It's really, really, really clever. Our bodies are very clever. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I have to be honest with you. A few years ago, I really leaned into intermittent fasting Mm. because my natural, I say my natural but sort of left unchecked and without the education, I would just graze constantly. I'm a real grazer and it just wasn't working for me. And intermittent fasting has been something that's improved my sleep Mm. massively. And really, I've definitely noticed really positive impacts from intermittent fasting. And it's not something that's difficult. It's just a case of I'm very mindful to eat early in the evening and I have a late breakfast. It's not, it's, it doesn't require a huge amount of planning or thought. That's why I love intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting, aside from the amazing science, you know, supporting intermittent fasting and basically your health and well-being. You know, I have mentioned the weight loss. It's almost a side effect of really, really, really healthy uh, um, eating plan. So I've done my dissertation at Westminster on intermittent fasting. It was intermittent fasting and uh, basically cancer and linked to cancer and kind of um, cancer initiation. So it's really, really interesting. Um, what intermittent fasting does. We know it's highly anti-inflammatory. It obviously supports the autophagy, which is what we want to do with longevity. Amazing for cardiovascular, as you would imagine. I mean, it's it's just really, really, really good for you. But what also works, and that's why I find it fascinating, it, it works for people because it's not that it's not that difficult. You can do it tougher way, you can do it medium tougher way, or you can do it really, really easy way. You really pick and choose and find the plans which work for you, which I again think it is a slightly, you know, game changer. There are so many dietary plans I, and I see them all in my clinic with my, from my patients. They're really stressful. And what needs to work for you, it's you see the line light at the end of the tunnel. Hmm. So what really works for my patients uh, and, you know, hopefully for the readers of my book is I give you a plan, you know, perhaps you will be skipping breakfast or perhaps you will have to have a dinner a little bit earlier, but then you go to sleep and you can have a, you know, you can eat straight after. It's not the kind of two week, three week torturous plan. And this is also what I'll tell my clients. It's I very much don't believe that you need to be, you need to stress about going on to any kind my dietary plan. It's really not. And my mother tends to do that a little bit as much as I love her. It's basically, we need to prepare. I'm going to be preparing for 10 days. Then on Monday, I will start. And this is my life changed. And I really disagree with it. Start today. Start with as little as you want and build it up when you feel more comfortable. It's not some kind of dramatic, stressful process. Intermittent fasting is very easy if you find the plan which you want to follow and which works for you. So when you talk about the plan that you want to follow, are you referring there to a difference between 20 and four versus 18, six versus yes, sort of yes. the smaller so in my In the two weeks to younger you, I have three different levels of plans. Again, because I very much believe it needs to fit within your lifestyle. You have the easiest one, which still it's very, very effective for some people, um, uh, which is the 168 obviously. Then I have one which is kind of medium, which I call reset 700, I believe. Which, which you follow the sixteen eight for most of the couple of most of the two weeks, but you start with bit of a longer fast in the beginning for a day or two, mm-hmm. and you try to reduce your calories around seven hundred because we now know, according to science, that if you reduce your calories um, around seven hundred and try to keep your meals vegetarian or ideally vegan just for those two days you will end up staying in this fasting mimicking state. So your body will think that you're not eating, but you will be eating. But obviously throughout the book, I will explain what you should be eating. You know, you shouldn't focus on carbs. It needs to be kind of fat-based. But because you will not have any animal protein, you will only have a plant protein and ideally kind of triggered during this eating window, your body 
will think that it's still in a state of fasting, which is amazing. And this is where obviously all the autophagy and all the kind of longevity promoting processes kick in. Now, as somebody who's been very susceptible to diet fads and plans over the years and who has <laughs> done the same dance with uh, a lot of weight up and down over the years, when I would read something like two weeks to two weeks to a bikini body or lose a stone in 10 days, my brain would think, okay, that's just two weeks work or, okay, fine. You can, you can, you can be really good for 10 days, good in inverted commas. So with, with your plan, is it that you, you stop doing that in two weeks or is it that by the end of the two weeks, it is, it has become your lifestyle that you move forward with? Absolutely. Absolutely. The two weeks is there purely because I know that in two weeks, 14 days, it's a lot of days you can create a big difference. This is obviously to motivate people, but also you can create a big difference in two weeks. Mm. It's absolutely not stop, you know, start to, you know, stop two week plan and then you then you peel off. But what I very much see with, you know, with all my plans and actually with my first book is once you, once you get motivated, once you know it's not that difficult, once you know that it's just about switching few things, you know, starting to kind of adjust and, you know, putting a few tips within kind of your life and within your diet, um, you will start feeling so much better. And then you have the motivation kicking in and feeling really good about yourself because you have achieved something. So for me, this is a way of um, of empowering you and kind of seeing, you know, after five days of following my plan, you will start having balanced LNG levels and you will perhaps start eating better. After, you know, seven to 10 days, you will start feeling better with your clothes. It's about how you feel. Mm. That will make you motivated. Plus you will see that it's not that difficult. And, 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 you know, this is your motivator into adjusting this plan within your life. I never said that you have to follow my plan all year long. And I, again, very much believe that, you know, there are certain periods of life when you just don't do it. I go for a holidays and I eat breakfast with my kids and dinner really late with my friends. But I know if I want to come back to it, I now have a knowledge of, you know, the week after you feel, come on, you know, at least I can do it four days a week with the intermittent fasting. Then I come back to London and I do it every day. Again, Mm -hmm. it's very much about balance. Enjoy your life. Feel free to switch off, but you will have the knowledge of coming back and and, and the knowledge, rebalance yourself without actually having to see me or talk to me. (laughs) Yes, it's that thing, isn't it? It's like having having your basics, knowing what you're coming back to. It's fine to go on holiday and live your life. It's fine to have, like even with intermittent fasting, I was talking to a friend, she does it too. And we were saying that if you go to a work dinner and you don't end up eating until 9.30, it's no big deal. You just push the hours the next day. You- Absolutely. And that's why with fasting, you, you find the eating windows, which window, which works for you. Some people prefer not to have breakfast. Some people actually prefer uh, to have really, really, really early dinner. So so again, it's it's completely up to you it's completely up to you how how far you can push yourself again there's no stress start slowly build up absolutely fine um let's talk about opportunity this is something i love to talk about with my guests and i asked you what the what's an opportunity that you've grabbed with both hands and i think what's really interesting we're talking about your books now you're a sunday times best-selling author and you actually some a journalist friend mentioned that you should write a book Yes. And you didn't act on it straight away, but you couldn't get it out of your head. <laughs> and then you were like, right, I'm going to do this. Yes. Um, yes. Because I needed to find an angle, which I would find interesting. And I would feel that, you know, the readers would find interesting as well. And this is kind of going back to what I told you before. There are a lot of nutritional books around. <laughs> um, and there, I mean, a lot of them are very, very restrictive. So it took me a while to kind of get myself around thinking, you know, what exactly um, what exactly I want to be at the angle of the book. And once I kind of start looking into it and thinking, you know, this could just be purely of, you know, my clinical view. So my first book was, you know, 10 different chapters all on um all on different um, obviously topics, but everything what my clients would kind of present um, when they come to my clinic, bit of a weight loss, you know, look after my skin, increase my energy levels, balance my hormones, everything. So the idea was find yourself within what chapter you want, read it, leave the other ones. If you're not interested, you know, in six months, you may be interested in them because your life changes. Mm. Um, but uh, but definitely it's just, it's just 
what was really important for me, it's it's the tone I talk to the readers because I very much believe that I need to explain stuff. I needed to explain with my longevity book. Absolutely. I needed to explain because if I just tell you to do something, you're not going to understand why you're doing it. I don't think it's motivating. So what I had to do for the longevity was debunking all these kind of and, and trying to understand all this really heavy science. It's all very, very heavy because longevity is quite a new topic. There is a lot of very, very scientific papers and actually translating them into the language we understand was incredibly difficult. I would say probably the most difficult part of writing my new book. Um, but it, again, it's really, really important for people to understand. So that there was a big part of why I wanted to write a book. I wanted to make information a bit more accessible and then obviously give them my recommendations as well, which is my kind of clinical expertise. Do you remember what it was that your journalist friend said to you? I think it was something about let's write a book on weight loss because <laughs> I was quite well known on helping people to lose weight. But uh, but definitely, yeah, it, it, it took it took a couple of years to kind of get my head around it. And once you kind of start opening that subject, it's just it's very tough writing a book, I have to say, for someone who is not a natural writer. But the reward you get and, you know, it makes me just so happy. The comments we get from readers. Um, I never thought I never thought it would feel this way actually it's such a cliche but actually because in a clinic I speak to my patients one to one and you don't you don't really get that kind of general feedback and actually knowing that you're helping so many more people you're helping thousands and thousands of people and actually I get incredibly really lovely comments on you know how just reading a couple of chapters of my first book changed their lives so so to me this is really rewarding and this is definitely one why I decided even without thinking, I do want to do another book if I find a topic which is interesting enough. And longevity, it's just, it just mind-blowing. The science of it, it's incredible. I think the power we have that just how you eat, what you do to your body, when you eat, can extend your life or can make you live to a much older, but much, you know, much older age, but also feeling amazing and looking mm -hmm. great. I think it's it's fascinating. It really is. Is it, I don't know if frustrating is the right word, but you've got these one-to-one -one clients and you talk to them, you assess them, you recommend changes, whether it's in how they eat, when they eat, what they eat. And they experience all of these incredible benefits. They say, Gabriella, I'm sleeping better. I've never had so much energy or I did a personal best in the gym. So there's all of these things that might not be as visible, but the thing that's visible is the weight loss. And that's the thing that gets the most attention. But is that the... Is that the best measure or is it frustrating sometimes? Because actually the biggest difference is one that perhaps is more internal. Um, I wouldn't say frustrating. I'll tell you what, I think the way it feels is whatever keeps you happy and motivated, I really don't care. Obviously, as a part of being responsible, responsible practitioner, health practitioner, I need to explain it's really not about the way you look. It's about, you know, with longevity, I, I, I write a lot about exercise. It's about muscle strength, muscle being metabolically active. I try to under, I try to make people understand that, um, you know, being fit, it's really healthy. It's it's not just how obviously skinny, skinny you are, which is obviously not unhealthy. The muscles are really important for longevity, for health, but also it will make you look better and feel better. I think it's very, very fine balance you need to, when you talk about weight and weight loss, it's it's very, very fine balance. You kind of need to find yourself, but I need to be, you know, I'm a responsible health practitioner. I need to be able to recognize that obviously, you know, you need to be healthy BMI. If you're too low, you're not healthy, but also if you're too high, you're not healthy. So I, I do actually cover in my book quite a bit kind of importance of being healthy weight with regards to longevity, because we can't be kind of lying just because it's slightly kind of, you know, topical in our society you know it's also about body positivity but also it is about being healthy right and that's where you be your healthiest yes and look I I agree with you because I've lived this having been 40 pounds heavier and mm. as somebody who is who has lived like that I know which one feels better yeah yeah and yet I that's a difficult thing sometimes to say because people don't always like hearing it Whereas 10 years ago, if I'd still been working on a magazine and I dropped 40 pounds, 
I almost guarantee you my editor would have said, let's do a couple of pages on your weight loss story. Yes. But now things have really changed. Which is very, very good. But again, we need to be honest about this conversation. And, in, you know, you need to be a you need to be kind of healthy weight in order to be healthy. And we, we can't be kind of lying, lying about it. And as you said, it's really not about how you look, but it's really important how you feel. I, I disagree with people saying that they shouldn't be certain way because they feel fine. You want, you're not going to feel fine because, because, and that will affect your mental health. Mental health, it's incredibly important. I think people just want to be health, you know, happy within their skin. Mm. Um, let's, Talk a little bit about stress again, just because I wanted to ask you if you can make significant changes with stress hmm. into with with simply just your diet. Are we talking about the kind of mean chronic stress? Yes. Yes. Right. <laughs> um, stress, absolutely. Um, and I have a big chapter in my book, in both of my books, actually, on stress. Um, stress gets really, your stress levels get very negatively effective by the way you eat by imbalancing your blood sugar levels for example so kind of following the sugar following the sugar rush not having a proteins with every single meal eating lack of fiber will make your blood sugar levels spike up and down which is a exhausting for your body b not very good for your weight or weight management and c really really bad for your stress levels because you're going up and down up and down with your energy and also there is a kind of back feed you know what your hormones are doing in the background which you don't even know about so definitely eating wise um blood sugar balancing it's really important and again i, I do cover it in, in my book um these are the kind of gp principles which you're really much focusing on healthy eating um supplements really powerful with stress i find with stress sometimes it's a bit tricky just to look at the diet yourself because diet itself because you already quite far out with your cortisol it's quite it's quite important and i use supplements a lot with most of my treatments very very quickly if i want to create quick differences because you know supplements supplements are your concentrated biochemistry um they're much more concentrated than perhaps food would be so in combination they create much quicker effect and for the stress levels you know supplements like magnesium and um and others are fantastic really good 400 milligrams of magnesium citrate before bed every night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if nothing else, ever since I started taking it, I don't get uh, delayed onset muscle soreness after working out. I used to, my legs especially, used to get really bad DOMS. And yeah. ever since I started taking magnesium, I just don't get that anymore, which is great. Magnesium, it's amazing. It's, it's in all, most of my supplements. We just don't get enough magnesium. We don't eat enough greens. You need a lot of, lot of magnesium to create any difference within your body. It's one of the nutrients which you really need you would need to eat a lot of kale to get enough magnesium um, to balance your stress levels. Yes. And is, does it count if you turn kale into crisps? I'm always curious about that. Like, oh, it does. Okay, fine. I love kale crisps. They're in my book. The recipe is in my book. They're one of my favorite snacks. Also, you can eat a lot of kale crisps in one serving and you would never be able to eat that amount of kale, obviously. Mm. Um, oh, kale crisps are amazing. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to be taking that recipe out of the book immediately. Um, <laughs> can we talk about curveballs? Because we, I mean, already we've discussed a 15 year old model in Paris, moving to London, spending a lot of time in Cape Town, and then obviously this incredible uh, business that you've got with GPU Nutrition. What have been the biggest curveballs and how do you, how have you dealt with them? Because a curveball is essentially when things don't really go your way. Really don't think there is one. <laughs> there, <there's, laughs> I think over my career, uh, and you know, in, in in anything really, you you always have things which don't go your way. It's it's just the way. I think the way I see it is just the way how you kind of deal with things and 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 go back and and deal with stuff. I mean, I've started my own business. I have a huge curveball <laughs> every couple of months, which I which I need to deal with. You know from. <laughs> anything of my supplements not arriving on time and like like they are now with the launch of my book to you know um there's a lot of kind of tiny little ones i'm not sure if i can think of one big one um i believe but not but do you sweat the small stuff so okay so you've got a delay issue you've got a supply issue with your mm. supplements do you let it keep you up at night or are you quite pragmatic how do you when it's not going as you want it to, or is it is it you had planned for it to go, do you get angry? 
<laughs> all of the above yes so I think obviously you get angry then I try to calm myself down um which I'm, I'm actually I have to say I'm not bad at I'm, I'm quite good with being pragmatic perhaps after a little while of being of being angry um I'm quite good with dealing with things I would say perhaps <laughs> my husband would hate me for that but uh, as opposed to as opposed to my husband I am the one who's okay well this didn't work let's do this so also, I have three children. You really have to. You really have mm. to kind of get on with stuff and kind of find a way out of the situation. Um, if it keeps me up at night, that's another question. I, I I do get kept up kept up at night quite often, and it tends to be during the periods of stress. So I know I know exactly what to do. You know, I, I tell my patients, I tell people who read my book what to do. Um, if I do it all the time, I'm not sure, but but definitely more magnesium. <laughs> if you wake up because you're stressed in the middle of the night, write it down on a piece of pen and paper as opposed to keep it in your head mm-hmm. you know, for 25 to 30 minutes, which is what I do. Then I'm completely awake and then I can't go back to bed. So really just putting it on a paper really works. Magnesium, as I said, really, really works for me as well. So and and eating better during the day. You mentioned there your family, and that's when I asked you what you're most proud of. You said it is about having or achieving that balance with having mm. your business, doing what you're able to do, but also uh, raising raising a family and being present for your family too. Was that something that took a while to get into a groove? It took ages, I have to say. Funny enough, I was thinking about it quite recently. When did I stop feeling guilty of, of not being with my children? And obviously you do have that kind of minor guilt always because I love spending time with them but I remember with my firstborn I really struggled for quite a few years of I wanted to do something I was at university I wasn't with her also I'm one of those people who don't find a tiny babies the most entertaining and you know you need to be honest to yourself I love them so much but I love them much more when they're a bit bigger uh, so for me it's like it was kind of not very nice you know the constant guilt which is kind of on the back of your neck um, I found further with life and now I obviously got twins as well. I think the kind of it's now so overwhelming that three children, you kind of balance it and it kind of it kind of works. I feel like I find my I feel like my balance and my kind of not guilt because I also really, really love what I do. I think you need to do something what love what you love as a person what makes you grow and and that's really important for you so feeling a good mother obviously incredibly important but I do like to help other people too so so I think it's that kind of balance Mm. um I asked you as well to describe your greatest strength and you said that you're very good at assessing people and I really wanted to ask you about that because I think I had been on a magazine as a beauty editor for a few weeks and a nutritionist came in to see me for an appointment they I think they might have had a book out so we're talking about the early 2000s mm. and I walked in recept I walked into reception to greet her and before I sat down she said ah and now bear in mind I've oh, struggled no. with my weight for a long time before I sat down she just went ah you've got PCOS you're a lower body fat storer um, you, you need to stay away from carbohydrates <laughs> oh, and so, so wrong <laughs> is it it really is. oh my gosh um yes of course I mean <laughs> you, you don't you do need to learn how to even if it's in your head which quite frankly I think it's quite difficult to guess by looking at someone I mean I, I would definitely like to ask you a few more questions to us you know <laughs> to, to make my diagnosis I think it feels oh it reminds me people sometimes do that in my naturopathic college uh people say oh I can see your nails oh you've got white spots and then I then I would spend all night researching what mean what white spots on my nails mean what is happening to me um no I think you need much more knowledge or much more knowledge about the patient about the client to be able to do these sort of these sort of assessments but it's really important you know going back to what, what you said it is incredibly important to be able to assess my client. And this is why Westminster, again, the kind of psychology bit was really, really good because I do have a tendency of being quite forceful and I'm quite kind of all or nothing. And I'm very good to be hardcore with me, but some people really don't want to be, you know, <laughs> hardcore. Um, they, they want a hardcore nutritionist. So it was really important for me. And I feel like I kind of done so much more kind of personal growth on that level in my clinic and I feel like I'm actually pretty good I have a lot of men for example um going to see me in my clinic 
they will do very, very different things to, you know, perhaps someone like you who is very knowledgeable about diet, about the well-being. You really need to kind of push them much more lightly, which is not, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just going to take more consultation, a little more time, but they're not going to they're not going to feel like they are being incredibly stressed because of because of the plan I gave them. And it could still be equally effective. I, I give men a lot of supplements as well because for them it to, tends to be a bit easier than uh, than perhaps just focusing on a diet. Especially a lot of my clients travel a lot and they have quite big businesses. You really need to adjust everything to their lifestyle. Mm. I just assumed that day it was because of the trousers I was wearing, so I never wore ah! them again. <laughs> <laughs> but it kind of made me ever since then I just thought it can be seductive can't it this idea that somebody who's done all these degrees who knows all these things can just take a look at you and tell you how to fix in inverted commas what you want to change and actually it's really reassuring to speak to you and, and hear that it takes a bit more there's a more of a conversation there's a, there's a much more structured and nuanced questionnaire or yeah. Um, interview interrogation as you've called it to actually get to the bottom of what somebody really needs mm, absolutely and you know it goes both ways if I you know I kind of very regularly would have someone you know I'm using you as an example um you know perhaps a journalist um who would come and who just want supplement assessment and you know lifestyle you know am I eating well I can see her for you know one or two consultations and then she doesn't have to come and see me again. And maybe she will come and see me again in five years because something has changed. But it doesn't, it, it's very kind of individual why I see my patients because it's it's very much kind of individual as what they want to achieve. I'm very happy to design much stricter, you know, stricter plan, which which is in my book as well, if you want to follow it. But it doesn't have to be. And it's just about kind of me assessing them, but also with my books, you assessing yourself. Mm. And that's the thing, it's taking ownership as well, isn't it? It's obviously, it's great to have someone like you who's done all the work, who has a huge amount of expertise, but it's about taking some ownership of that and not just doing what you say. It's all in your hands, yes. <laughs> um, we have we've come so quickly to the end of our time together, but I want to ask you, uh, my final question to people is about what makes them hopeful about the future. And you said, it's been such a labour of love to put this book together and to give people the tips to essentially extend the quality extend their lives and extend the quality of life their quality of life mm. um and you're really excited about that and what that can really do in people's hands I really am I really am I think I think my new book it's it's I think the research as I said it's just fascinating to me it makes perfect sense I see how effective it is on my clients so I just really, really hope people enjoy this book as much as much as I enjoyed writing it. I hope people hope people buy the book. <laughs> well, with the book, it's it's very much labor of love, and you know this is where my heart went. And you know the books very quickly become one of your little babies. So so I definitely I definitely hope people enjoy. People find the information useful. I really hope that they will because I really hope I have created something. Slow highly unique into bringing that kind of confusing, potentially confusing science on longevity into more kind of people's understanding and made it easy for them. So then, you know, they can live longer, but also feeling fantastic. Well, I was very lucky to receive a preview copy and I had a look at it. And the thing that really stood out for me was there's so much information, particularly on Instagram, about longevity, about health and nutrition and this feels very like it's very robust. It covers everything. But it's like I said a, a, about half an hour ago, it's really accessible. So even though there might be some really complicated language uh, there, you've really uh, simplified it and made it easy to understand. And actually mitochondrial this, that and the other. But this is actually what it means and what you can do to impact it, which yes, is really, exactly. really good. Which took me ages to understand, but I have now done it for you. <laughs> well, the, the link to the book will be in the show notes. And actually, crucially as well, the link to your Instagram will be in the show notes. And I think that if you want to, because you, you do brilliant videos on breaking down the little elements of all of this all the times, so your posts are really info rich. So if anyone wants to get the book and or follow you, then uh, head to the show notes now. But Gabriella, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Lovely talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I do hope you enjoyed it. I appreciate your time hugely. If you did enjoy it and you never want to miss an episode, 
then please do hit the subscribe button wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. It's also where you get the opportunity to leave a five-star review and a rating for how you feel about the show. And I'd be so grateful if you wouldn't mind leaving one. If you want to get in touch with me, email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Or you can DM me on Instagram and Twitter where I am at Emma Guns. If you fancy chatting to me and thousands of other fellow listeners of the podcast, then click the link to join the Facebook forum. The link to join is in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode you have to answer a couple of questions but we cannot wait to see you there come over and join the conversation thank you so much for listening i will see you on the next one When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.